Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, you know by now that history is a thing for me. I love history, but I love history to be accurate. And one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy, it has uh, since the, the 90s when I was on the air in Chicago, is the distortion, uh, certainly, of American history. And so we're going to talk about a different kind of brand of that today that you probably haven't heard. Uh, and so I, I hope that you'll stay tuned because it's pretty interesting and it's pretty damaging. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a second. But meanwhile, if you would like to call us, you can do that at 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. You can email us at sandy at afr.net. And you can find us on all podcast platforms, uh, especially AFR.net, which is our home base. Before we start the show, though, I'd like to take a minute and have a heart-to-heart talk with you. Well, by that I mean, if you're able, place your hand right now over your heart. Can you feel it? I know I can. My strong heartbeat reminds me that I'm alive. It's the same for an unborn baby. The heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound, and that's where Preborn steps in, rescuing 200 babies every single day from abortion simply by providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, Eyes are forming, and by 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious babies. For just $28, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. And if you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped rescue. All gifts are tax-deductible, and 100% of your gift goes towards saving babies. To donate, just take your phone. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or you can donate securely at preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, so here we are with another example of, uh, you know, textbook malfeasance. Pretty interesting stuff. Stay tuned. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. In the fall of 2019, the New York Times unveiled the 1619 Project, this kind of sprawling special issue commemorating the 400th anniversary of the year African slaves were first brought to American shores. 1619 was the brainchild of star journalist and MacArthur genius Nicole Hannah-Jones. It claimed to be this daring deconstruction of America. This anniversary is the reason we even exist as a country. We would not be the United States were it not for slavery. 
to look across all these aspects of modern day society and see the legacy of slavery. Sugar, geography, capitalism, why there's so much traffic in Atlanta. All of this kind of goes back to that original sin. 1619 was a sensation, driving record subscription numbers. It even got its own Super Bowl commercial. America was not yet America, but this was the moment it began. This new history rests on a radical revision of America's birth year. In the opening essay, Hannah Jones claimed that the founding fathers had actually declared independence to protect slavery. We were founded not as a democracy, but as a slaveocracy. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Many of you listening to me for a long time on the morning show will remember that we talked about the 1619 Project quite a bit. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones did an interesting job, very, very masterful, actually, of rewriting American history. Uh, Always in those cases, you know, they get some things right, but a lot of things wrong. It's very hard to distinguish. They made a curriculum from it. Uh, It's been now introduced to American classrooms all over the place. So we know that there is uh, a messing going on with our history. I talk to you about it all the time. That what, If you really want to know what happened in the past, you go to those people that wrote nearest the event. Go back to the authors that wrote close to the event and not, uh, not, not recently. I don't trust current authors for the most part. But Hannah rewrote it. But the, 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 here's the interesting thing. Uh, my next guest has done a study of what American history textbooks are saying now. What are they doing now? What are they saying about more current events? Uh, and I've asked him to join us. Greg Price is the communications director for the State Freedom Caucus Network. Let me just pause to say, you've all heard of the Freedom Caucus. Certainly those are our best friends. Some of them, many of them are on the show. Many of them are good friends. Uh, the Freedom Caucus has, has doing, you know, they're tearing it up on Capitol Hill right now. But what you might not know is that they've started State Freedom Caucuses, or cocci, all over the country, and they're springing up. And so Greg is their communications director. He is the previously was the senior digital strategist at X Strategies Com- uh, LLC. Uh, he was the writer and social media at Daily Caller, which uh, really caught my attention because Daily Caller was founded by Tucker Carlson a long time ago. And Greg, I thought about that this morning when I knew I was going to interview you. That was quite a, recently quite a blow to have Tucker step down from Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, it's awful. You know, it's truly the end of the uh, of an era. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson tonight will easily be remembered as the greatest uh, cable news show that has ever existed. Um, so, you know, really sad day, especially, you know, not just because of, how, of Tucker being the on-air talent that he is, but everything that happened behind the scenes, you know, all the incredible reporting and journalism that they did over there on things like the January 6th stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge blow yeah. to, to see it go away in the way that it did, but I'm excited to see what Tucker does next. Yeah. Obviously, he ain't going away anytime soon. You know, in some ways, uh, as I think about it, Greg, Tucker kind of took uh, Russia's place, totally different personalities, different uh, venue, but uh, Rush brought to us a lot of interesting things through the years that no one else was talking about, putting the pieces together in a, ver- in a way that we could understand, and that's what uh, Tucker did in his own you know, newer way. Uh, bringing news that you don't hear elsewhere, uh, alerting the American people, warning them, which is what Rush did too. So it's, uh, yeah, he will be terribly missed, and I'm with you. I hope that uh, we can we can find him easily. 
uh, in the near future and not um, that he doesn't like he could fly off. He could ride off into the sunset. He's done very well financially, but I hope he doesn't do that. Well, Greg, um, <laughs> first of all, just say a word about the State Freedom Caucus Network. Just say, how, how is that going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, by the way, I loved how you used it. I love the term cockeye now. That was, <laughs> I think I'm going to start using using that now. <laughs> it's it's um, the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's great. You know, something that I think a lot of conservatives miss because politics, you know, stuff that comes out of D.C. gets all the attention, is that there's 50 state capitals all over America. And uh, if you live in a red state, you probably assume that, you know, you're voting for somebody who's conservative and is governing conservative, but that's not the case at all. You know, a lot of, we, the same complaints that you may have about the national GOP is also true with your state GOP, but on a much wider scale. There's serious, serious problems in red state leadership, and conservatives simply aren't paying attention to it. The other thing is a lot of issues that conservatives care about are not happening on the federal level. They're happening in the states. You know, things such as school choice, such as, you know, protecting children from all this trans stuff, you know, all that, all those battles, the actual policy achievements behind them are happening in state capitals. And Republicans are simply just not passing these laws that they should be. And so Freedom Caucuses are are out there to change that. We operate under the same brand as the House Freedom Caucus use the same resources, and right now we're in 11 states, just launched the 11th in Louisiana a couple weeks ago, and we're trying to be in 20 by the end of the year, and, you know, the big goal is that just is just that a lot of these, uh, a lot of the Republican establishments in these states have never been challenged in the way that Freedom Caucuses are now challenging them, and that's exactly what needs to happen, because, you know, if our, if our federal government ever becomes beyond saving, we need robust red state leadership to protect us, and we simply don't have that yet, and Freedom Caucuses are going to change that. I love it. I really love it. And who would have thought, honestly, Greg, when this enterprise first started, we were the trouble just increases every day. I realize that. So exponentially we have more problems. I just was in a briefing yesterday about, oh, look, I, I think there's like, you would know, there's probably 54, 55, something like that, Republican dominated state legislatures. So one would assume that would mean X, Y, or Z. But as you just said, it doesn't mean X, Y, or Z. And I'm uh, in our conversation, we were talking about the transgender issue and why, you know, good bills, I think, have only been passed in 12 states uh, because uh, Republicans are not performing. They're not doing. And uh, I just think this is important. And it's such if we don't talk about anything else in our conversation today, this is an alert to people listening uh, that just because people have an R by their name, even your buddy who lives across the street who represents you doesn't mean they're doing their job. Uh, so just getting them elected is not enough. They need to be prodded. And that's what the Freedom Caucus does in the nation's capital on that, as Greg has just described, is what they're doing in the various states. All right, so what in the world caused you to do a study of current textbooks in, in uh, I think you're talking about a certain segment of them in college-level history classes. Is it exclusively that textbooks, textbooks used for them? Yeah, so I, I, in addition to my Freedom Caucus job, I, I do my own you know, original journalism on my Substack page. And, yeah, I took a look at five 
advanced placement U.S. history textbooks. These are college-level U.S. history classes. You know, these are college board-certified textbooks that, you know, teach for the AP U.S. history exam. And what I found, it, I, I can't say it shocked me, but, you know, it was surprising nonetheless, just not, the amount of bias and misinformation in these books. The way it started was I had a high school kid DM me a picture of his textbook from a book called The American Pageant, which is the most commonly used AP U.S. history textbook. He, he DM me a page and where it describes Donald Trump as, quote, a sexual predator. And, you know, my immediate thought was, okay, Donald Trump was a public figure for decades of his life, and he only he only started getting accused of misconduct when he was a couple weeks away from becoming the president. Describing him as a sexual predator is a wildly biased thing to do. And then my second thought was, okay, what do they say about Bill Clinton, who is such a sexual predator that they literally made an HBO miniseries about it? So I went and I found this textbook, and I looked back, and sure enough, they don't even mention any of Bill Clinton's accusers. And then I went through the rest of the textbook, and, you know, they, co- they, they cover all the Russia stuff that occurred in 2016, where they basically suggest Russia elected Donald Trump, and meanwhile, they don't mention the Steele dossier, how Hillary Clinton funded it. They don't mention FISA abuses where they spied on Donald Trump. They don't mention the unmasking of Michael Flynn. They don't mention the struck page text. They don't mention all of these stories that are important parts of the history of the Trump presidency that were simply, that simply went against liberal, the liberal media's narrative. And, me, and the other thing was, you go, I looked at their coverage of Ferguson, and they don't mention any, they just say that an unarmed black male was shot. They don't say that Michael Brown robbed a convenience store, uh, tried to steal Officer Darren Wilson's gun, was charging at him when he was shot, and that Eric Holder's DOJ found hands up, don't shoot to be a lie. And so then I thought to myself, okay, let me take a look at other U.S. history textbooks, other AP U.S. history textbooks. And so I went on the College Board's website, I looked up their list of textbooks, and I looked at all of the ones that cover through the Trump presidency, and it was just a lot of the same in there. There was one textbook called The American Promise, written by seven co-authors, that said that Donald Trump refused to condemn Charlottesville. That's a factually incorrect thing to say. And it's written in a high school textbook. There was another one uh, called America and Narrative History that covers all the way through COVID and the Biden presidency. And it says in that textbook that a policeman died on, on January 6th. Again, that is a factually incorrect thing to say. Officer Sicknick died the next day of natural causes from a stroke. This book also um, says that the wet market is the most likely source of COVID. We now know that's obviously not true. And you go, you go book by book. There was another one uh, that Eric Foner wrote, the historian from Columbia, called Give Me Liberty, where he says that Donald Trump's campaign uh, brought people back to a time when women and people of color knew their place. He also said in this book that it's racist for Donald Trump to tweet that Maxine Waters and LeBron James lack an intelligence. Fact check, true. But like you go book by book by book, they all cover Ferguson doing all the things I just said. They all cover, quote unquote, Russia without mentioning any of the other, the other side of, of, the Rus- of Russiagate. You know, they, there's one that has the Charlottesville very fine people hoax a hoax to this day that Donald Trump said there were very fine people at Charlottesville. 
And these are books being used in for high school students in college-level history classes that have either just completely false information or on in it or just leaving out very important stories of history of the Trump presidency as well as other things that, you know, liberals simply just want to forget about. Did you find any exceptions? I mean, you can't, I don't know if you read every word of every textbook, but did you find any, any, like any textbook exceptions or any exceptions in the text where you felt like they were actually telling the truth about something? Not in the ones I reviewed. And again, I only reviewed five that go through, like there's a list of 20 books that are, that you can use in an AP U.S. history class. And I covered five of them that are the most recent editions that are covering the Trump presidency. No, I didn't find one that covered, covered it fairly. They all, and I mean, that shouldn't come as a shock. They were all written by college history professors. You can imagine what types of people they are, but no, they all, there was not like not a single one of these books mentions the steel dossier in the context of the Trump presidency. None of them mentioned Donald Trump was spied on his campaign. You think that's not an important part of history for the Mm. Trump presidency, that an outgoing administration spied on the incoming president? They don't mention that in this book. And here's the other thing. I emailed all of these people. There were 12 combined authors on these five books. I emailed all of them. I did not get a single reply. I've sent several messages to the college board. I tried to call them. Haven't gotten a reply complete blackout on all of this stuff that I found, which again, like some of the things it ranges from being wildly biased to just factually incorrect. And that this is how they're teaching history to your kids. You're not that old, Greg. You can't be that old. Um, and, um, did this really shock you? Didn't you find some of this when you were going through school? I mean, no, it's not shocking. Academia has been fully co-opted by the political left. I mean, I, I, w- I was, like, naive at the time to notice any of this stuff when I was going through school. I was also an AP U.S. history student in high school. You know, I, I either don't remember or probably didn't notice, notice but parents are, st- but thankfully parents are noticing now. And they can't let, you know, people get away with teaching this false version of history, history of the Trump presidency to our kids. Yeah. Well, of course... Like, I was just going to say, uh, and you even, it's not just that I think it's the Trump history, the Trump presidency has dominated the news. It's a deep part of our history because so many things have altered forever uh, during the year, whether it's the election, uh, the way elections are handled, whether it's the, the, the treatment of a sitting president, you know, all of it, all of it is important. Uh, but it you know cover it talks about Clarence according to what you're writing here it also brings in Clarence Thomas it it really twists uh, I I don't know what exactly they did say about Clarence Tom Justice Clarence Thomas can you uh, tell us that it's like or what they it's, didn't it's say basically the same things they're saying about Donald Trump where basically they're they're saying that he, he was accused by Anita Hill Anita Hill was was right et cetera et cetera and meanwhile like they don't mention Paula Jones. They don't mention Catherine, Kathleen Willey. They don't mention Juanita Broderick. Bill Clinton's the good guy, and Clarence Thomas and Donald Trump are the bad guys in these textbooks. Like, there's the one that mentioned Clarence Thomas's uh, confirmation hearing, and basically they said it was a moment for women to stand up to powerful men 
who abused them and whatever. And they don't mention any of the uncredible aspects of Anita Hill's story. They don't mention that the FBI interviewed Anita Hill and found her story to be uncredible. They don't mention the fact that when Clarence Thomas went from the Department of Education to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, that Anita Hill followed him there, which (laughs) if someone was sexually harassing me, I probably would not follow them from one job to another. They don't mention any of these things. Clarence Thomas is just the bad guy. And they don't even mention any of the any of the rape and sexual assault allegations against Bill Clinton. It's like that's that is bias. Like that's it's as simple as that. Like that is rewriting history to the benefit of one particular political agenda. You know, uh, Greg, this has been going on for such a long time. I've been on the radio for a long time. I started in Chicago in the nineties, uh, and this was a huge. Even in Chicago during that time. In black communities, they were teaching a different history. It wasn't the 1619 Project, but it was a very different... Um, I had a lot of black listeners, so they would tell me. Uh, it was a, a black, like a black nationalism. It was, a total, it was like a dual curriculum in black high schools. Uh, and, of course, I remember, I'm old enough to remember the 70s. The 70s is really when this started, when radical leftists uh, got off the streets because they were defeated uh, when they tried to you know, rebel against the country in the 60s, they were actually defeated. What a, what a quaint thought. What a wonderful thought. Uh, but they ended up going to get their PhDs and went to colleges and universities, shaved their beards, uh, and took a bath. And, uh, that, and so history began to be attacked then. I remember it well. And um, I, I want to just say one, one more current thing, and all this is not so current either, but I was in it. <laughs> My listeners have heard me tell this story. So forgive me for telling it again, but I was in a nail salon in Washington, D.C., the Pentagon City. And I was by myself, of course, and I was... Now, you won't know about this, Greg, but uh, when you go to get your nails done, you there's a little thing, a little light that dries your nails. And you get you have to be very close. All, the time. <laughs> All right. Well, you have to be very close to people. So I'm sitting with these college girls. They're surrounding me, and I can't help but hear what they're saying. And they're talking about Vietnam War and... Uh, some of the pro- protesting and all of that stuff, and I'm listening to them, and I'm it's uh, all you know, like crazy warped conversation. And I just said, you know, girls, I'm excuse me, I can't help but hear, you know, you're nose to nose with me, I can't help but hear what you're saying. I said, you, they were from Columbia, uh, no, American University, and I said, do, have you? I'm curious, do your professors ever say anything good? about the United States? Did they, did they ever say anything positive? And they just were absolutely hushed. And eventually they were very honest. They said, no, not really. And I just said, doesn't that tell you something? Does that tell you something? You think there's nothing good to say about the United States? This has been happening for such a long time. Greg, I'm curious. Um, you, As I said, uh, um, when you are with your peers... Uh, you do you see uh, examples of the lack of understanding? I'm guessing you have a really good education. Are you around people who shock you with their lack of knowledge about American history? I mean, yeah, you see it all the time. Like, I mean, my immediate friends are, I would not say a bit about that, but like, you know, I people I went to college with and took history classes with, you know, they're, I think, you know, it, it showed their, a great lack of fundamental understandings of history that they should have probably learned in high school. I was really lucky. I went to a really good high school, a good Catholic high school that taught us 
you know, a lot of everything we needed to know about history and stuff. But yeah, the problem, the problem runs deep. And it's the, the reason it runs deep is because the left has fully taken over academia while conservatives were asleep at the wheel. And it's going to be very, very difficult to reverse that. Um, but we, we need, you know, we need to, st- we need to fight in these institutions take them back from the crazy Marxists that have co-opted them. We need to fight on the internet and elsewhere and get everybody to understand that, no, America is a fundamentally good country. It's not a bad one. And, you know, we have, we have bad things in our history, but the majority of our history is good. It's about, you know, a country unlike any other that has ever existed. And it's because of how, fundamentally good of people we are that we've had the most positive impact on the world you know that's that's what we need to be teaching that's what we need to we need to be fighting back against you know the the attacks against our history and you know we need to it has to be not yeah i i agree um dinesh d'souza years ago wrote a book it might have been one of his first books it was called what's so great what's so great about america uh, and I, he he does chapter after chapter of the the uniqueness of our story, the beauty of America. One of the things he says is that uh, America is not unique because it had slavery. It's unique because it did away with slavery. Uh, and so things like that, just a beautiful perspective on the country uh, that was, made a great impact when he wrote that book. Uh, Greg, if you were to advise parents now, of kids uh, who are getting ready to go to college, you know, there is in our DNA this notion that Harvard and Yale and Columbia and you fill in the blanks, uh, all these schools are just, we know that if you graduate with a piece of paper from those universities, you get the best jobs and get the best placements in law schools and all that. How would you advise people to advise their children. I mean, would you, some people are saying, you know, don't go to those schools. I don't care what, don't go to those schools. And it's not just those schools, but I'm singling them out. Uh, what is your perspective on that? I mean, my perspective is essentially the value of an Ivy League degree is going to start going down as people start realizing, you know, that <laughs> affirmative action is essentially taken over at these schools you know, the, that they're dumbing down standards in order to get people in. What I would say to, you know, people going to college is that you should not worry about going to an Ivy League school. That was something I worried about all the time when I was a kid. But the college that you go to has virtually, it, it has an impact on your, on your, a slight impact on your career prospects, but the impact is heavily, heavily overstated. And, you know, the, the things you learn in your college classes don't really apply to the real world. Like, everything I've done in the re- I can't remember a single thing I learned in college <laughs> that, that I needed to know in order to do the jobs that I have done. That would be true for me, and, you too. Know, so, so there's, there's, like, so basically, like, the only, like what, the only thing Ivy Leagues are good for now is, 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 are the credentials. But, you know, go... I, somebody going to an SEC school is probably is just as ready for to have a job at Goldman Sachs as anybody who went to Princeton University. I would say the thing, college class, like finance majors at these different institutions are no are no different from each other. 
And the only thing people are truly fighting for is just the, the pedigree of the degree. And so, and so that, that's what I would say. I would say there, there, there's literally, like, I would probably, if, if I had to do it over again, I would probably want to go to a state school more than, more, more than like, I went to, I didn't go to either. But if I were to do it over again, like, I would apply to, you know, I would apply to Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, and whatever, before I would Harvard and Yale. You're, you're, you kind of came up uh, um, during the homeschool boom. You know, homeschool used to be so uh, uh, looked down on, and they tried to do away with it in this country. They probably still will, uh, but there was a real attack on it in the 80s, and now it's resurgent and strong, and there are you know thousands and thousands of kids who are homeschooled. Do you have any experience with that? How the, Can you be objective, or have you even thought about uh, the effect that homeschool kids are having in in the world in the world right now and in academia too for that matter. Well yeah, I know a lot of homeschool kids and they're doing great things great things in the in in their professional lives right now. I was not homeschooled at any point in my life, but no, I think if that's a decision that a parent should make, then that's uh, obviously that's something they should do. Like you know, that homeschool kids have turned out no different or in many cases a lot better than kids than kids who went to school, and obviously we've seen a, a large increase in, in homeschool kids because of all the, the, the crap that happened during the pandemic and stuff, and I think that's a positive thing. At the same time, I think, you know, we shouldn't put the focus entirely on, on homeschool. I think we should still fight to take back the institutions of academia from the Marxists that have co-opted it. But no, we, you know, the, the, uh, the people who, like, turn their noses up at homeschool children are some of, like, the most insufferable people in the world. Like that's just, it's like completely ridiculous to do something, to do that. Yeah. Well, these, I don't want to leave this conversation without giving you a chance to say one more thing about your Substack. And by the way, if you want to find Greg, it's gregprice.substack.com. Gregprice.substack.com. And you can read this article, uh, AP uh, U.S. History textbooks are covering the Trump presidency. The bias is worse than you think. But uh, the kind of name, if you would, these books, because people will probably be saying, well, what books is he talking about? Can you name the, the books, the five books that you, you've talked about already, the American pageant? You, I think that's the first, the most popular, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah, what other so books? I, I, it- in the story, I name all the books and all the authors. They're The American Pageant, The American Promise, Give Me Liberty, America, A Narrative History, and Experiencing History, Interpreting America's Past. I, I, they're all named in the stack as well as all their authors. Okay, excellent. Very good, because I think people will want to see that. They'll want to know what their kids are studying. The kids might be listening and say, wait, let me look at my book. Uh, and I think the wouldn't you say that the anecdote for kids who are currently in school or maybe are with you know using these books is um, there's got to be some source uh, of uh, of really fine American history. I think of uh, David Barton's group Wall Builders, but there's probably others. Can you can you say are you able to say in this moment what an alternative history source might be that's trustworthy? I don't really have any particular ones off the top of my head, but. We have great resources out there, you know, on the internet and, and elsewhere to learn the real the real truths about what ha- 
about what's going on in our country and what's happened in our history without the left wing bias. Like it's very easy to find to find those sources. I can't name like a particular institute. I know there are institutions out there. I can't really name one off the top of my head. But you know, we have you know we have the great thing about our world today is that social media, the internet, it gives you the ability to to learn things without without it being controlled by you know the biases of corporate media academia et cetera et cetera you know that's that's why they push for censorship on social media that's why the left pushes for censorship on social media so much because they don't want you learning the other side of the story well you exactly. have the ability to do that at your fingertips that's mm-hmm. you know that's it's that's to learn things that they're simply not teaching you in school absolutely so I and I would just commend uh, there. There are books like I think of David McCullough's books. I love them. I'm actually currently reading The Pioneers. It's talking about you know, it's the Ohio Territory right now, but it's fascinating. And and David writes a great history books. Uh, he's I believe he's a trustworthy source. He may not get everything right. How would I know? I wasn't there. But uh, David writes books that are con- uh, um, compatible with the history that I understand and know. And anytime you're reading history, to any of you listening. As I said before, find sources that uh, were writing close to the incident. Find someone who wrote about George Washington who knew him or wrote 20 years after he died. Those are the sources that are great uh, for whatever it is you're trying to to find out. Greg, this has been really interesting. I appreciate the work that you've done on this. Uh, We're sounding the alarm. This has always been a a really hot button for me, and I am so happy that you feel the same way that you're carrying on the, the the whole notion that we need to have truth in our history books in order to create a citizenry that understands and loves their country. Greg Price, Communications Director for the State Freedom Caucuses, and also, again, you can find his stuff at gregprice.substack.com. gregprice.substack.com. This has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, see, you thought you'd heard it all, but you haven't. You haven't heard it all quite yet. And so that was really interesting. I'm so grateful to Greg for doing that um, piece that he did on the five uh, AP textbooks and how they are omitting so much of current history and rewriting it and actually lying to our kids no wonder the kids don't understand what's going on. Uh, if you have a comment about what you just heard or a question, you can call 662-821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at net. That's sandy at net. Or you can find us on all the podcast platforms. Be sure and tell your friends about this because a lot of people who listen to the morning show, for one thing, have not been able to make that transfer. I think most of them have, to be honest with you. We've got we've got a really good audience, and that's not by accident. <laughs> I think that fi- people have you know made their way to the podcast, but some people haven't. It's foreign to them. They've never listened to a podcast, and some of people are into podcasts all the time, but they just have not heard of Sandy Rios twenty four seven. So you can be our evangelist if you are willing, and if you if you feel like doing that, if you'd like to tell people about it, I hope that you will. All right, I've asked Bruce to join me. Bruce is my sweetheart, the retired FBI agent who cares a lot about history, too. 
And we talked about this before, but Bruce, that was different, right? That's not like uh, the America's ancient history. That's current history. No, that's really frightening. Um, and I think it uh, explains a lot about why we see young people behave and act the way they do. Yeah. Do you know, we're both from Chicago, at least Chicago-centric. And before I ever knew you, and I was on the air in Chicago, I'll tell you about something that happened in the 90s in Springfield. I bet you don't know about this. They passed what they called the American Heritage Act regarding high school textbooks, high school history textbooks. Sounds really good, right? Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what the American Heritage Act did? It dictated that all references to God be censored out of the textbook, and and including founding father quotes, including all mentions of God. At what, the founding fathers were filled with quotes about God, scripture verses, mentions of his name, the American Heritage Act. That's what happened in, in Illinois, honey, in uh, the late 90s. Well, I think that uh, you see, that's one of the most, um, to me, frightening things about this is it's not just... Um, history given from a standpoint. Everyone has a standpoint of how they look, but it's an intentional um, misleading of people by actually leaving out what are actual facts. I mean, you can many people can interpret facts different ways, but a fact is a fact. I mean, if it happened, it happened. And the way they're writing history books now is things that happened did not happen, according to them, and things that did not happen did. So they're inventing history, not just writing it from a, a standpoint. Yes, and it's such current history, like the whole Russiagate conspiracy, leaving that out, uh, and, and you know, inferring that you know Russia, inferring the lie, the lie. Talk about the big lie. There are lots of big lies that they are are repeating and leaving out any counter argument or any of the other facts that have come out later, like on the Ferguson thing. Yeah. The the the, the you know the the. Hands up, don't shoot was a complete lie, and it became part of pop culture. And people still think uh, that's what happened in that moment. He was unarmed. The policeman, you know, the the terrible bad white policeman killed this innocent young black kid who was holding up his hands, saying, "Don't, don't, hands up, don't shoot." And that that's a complete fabrication. Didn't happen that way at all. Yes, it is. And uh, you know, you you see LeBron James still uh, continuing to. Um, assert that narrative. And the kids that read these uh, history books, uh, it's, it's reinforcement through other means. You know, they, they get it fed to them in school, and then the pop culture reinforces it. And then someone like you tries to come along and unwind that from them, and they look at you like you're crazy. I mean, if these textbooks look like the talking points for CNN, you know, it's it's like when you talk to that neighbor of yours that's the biggest liberal and all they've got is soundbite knowledge and you try to speak to them about actual facts and they just look at you like, you're crazy. That's not what happened. That's what's being taught to our kids. You know what this reminds me of a little bit, Bruce? For years, they've been saying that Europe is post-Christian, and I remember talking, I talked about this a lot years ago, and through the years, uh, that one of the things that people would tell me is you go to Europe, and you you try, American is, America was, so Christianized, not necessarily Christian, but Christianized, uh, that we talked 
words of Jesus, the cross, uh, Easter, all of that was part of our American DNA, even if you didn't believe. Uh, but you you went to Europe, went to Europe, and they would just they had no idea. You try to talk to them about God, there is no common ground. And the reason for that, if you had ta- tried that a hundred years ago in Europe, even during World War II, you would have found a, they would resonate. They would have some knowledge of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, of, um, of, of Scripture, all of that, because they were getting that in church and in their culture. Uh, even Winston Churchill, you know, I mean, I'm talking about more current news, but uh, now they are they are so far behind that. It's been so buried that it's much harder to talk about God because there's no foundation upon which to speak about him. And I think that's where we're moving with our national story. There's no foundation upon which to speak to some people, as you just said, because they actually, in their knowledge base, don't have any foundation at all now. And that's what they're actually move, moving us toward. Well, and it's it's not only just leaving it out, but it's attacking what our founders were like. Um, they they'll say they're rich, white, uh, privileged, uh, Christian, and every one of those components is demonized: the race, right. the uh, economic standard, the um, the religion of the person, the belief of the person. Um, it's it's not a descriptor anymore. It's an attacking descriptor. Yeah. Yes. And so we see where this is leading. We see it on our streets. We see it in our, uh, you know, we see the rabid mobs, you know, climbing the Supreme Court steps and screeching and banging on the lack of respect. We see it in the hatred of our own children many, many times when they speak of their country, their shame. Uh, they're, they're bending over backwards to correct things that are are, are just false, so they're becoming creatures of this narrative. It's a frightening thing, and that's why I'm grateful that Greg Price uh, did this project. I think it's a, a Greg Price a substack. I suggest that to all of you. He's just a brilliant young man, I think, with a, a very bright future. All right, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you enjoyed it, honey. I did. Yeah, we're it's, smarter, uh, but, you know, but sadder. It's <laughs> illuminating and somewhat scary, but we need to know it so we can we know how to handle it. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you uh, learned something from today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.